You're listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast, a product of the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association. To learn more, visit our website at or.nhsbca.org. Welcome to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. I'm Derek Duman, OBCA Vice President and Boys Basketball Coach at West Albany High School. Today, I'm joined by Scott Wakefield, girls basketball coach at Grants Pass High School. Coach, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for uh, taking the time. I know you're uh, doing some summer vacationing right now, so I appreciate you uh, taking time out of your vacation to talk to us. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Coach, for those that might not be familiar with you, can you kind of tell us a little about your basketball journey, uh, how you got into coaching, and, and how you ended up uh, at Grants Pass High School? Okay, well, um, let's see. Uh, I was um, a sophomore in college, and I uh, I was playing at, at Warner Pacific for a guy named Bart Valentine, who's still coaching today, one of the one of the greats in Oregon, and. Um, I, uh, I, I, I severely sprained my ankle, um, to the point where I had to have surgery. I was, I mean, it was, it was kind of a freak deal. Um, and, uh, I ended up being, uh, in a cast for like 11 months. And so, um, then, uh, the coach where I graduated at Franklin High School, um, was a guy named Bruce James. Um, and, uh, Scott Aker had just left and that's who I played for in high school, um, and went to Wilson, uh, and a guy named Bruce James contacted me. He's like, Hey, I heard you're hurt. You want to, you know, take the range and coach my JV team. And it was actually pretty cool being a young guy. He's like, Hey, and I want you to, you know, kind of be the, the brains behind our, our offense here at Franklin. And so, um, man, just being young and, not knowing any better, <laughs> thinking that, 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 you know, I mean, and, and, and so I was like, heck yeah, you know, and so, so that, that was kind of my coaching introduction. Um, and I just, I loved it. I was going to school to become a teacher. So I always, I always knew I wanted to teach and coach, um, and, uh, never really went back from there. So that was my start. I, I coached, I coached three years at, at Franklin. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I was dumb enough to think that after coaching three years that, uh, the, uh, the varsity job became open and, uh, you know, I applied for it and, um, I didn't end up getting it. They thought I was too young, which I probably was, but, you know, I just kind of always had that gumption, um, you know, a lot like a young, uh, you know, dooming. <laughs> when, <laughs> when you know watching you kind of come up through the the ranks you know i mean sometimes you know you don't know any better just to go hey why not me you know and so so that's how i kind of always felt coaching wise um and then uh the crazy part about grants pass so my my parents i was born and raised in portland my parents moved down to the grants pass area and so my wife and I were newly married, um, but we had, we'd started talking about maybe having kids, starting a family. And so, of course, Grandma and Grandpa were like, hey, you got to check out Grant's Cash. you got to check out Grant's Cash. And so um, I did not know it, but uh, at the time, um, I transferred after, – after I hurt myself, I left, I left Warner and transferred to Portland State and, um, and became friends with a guy named Jimmy Blanchard, who was the uh, – the quarterback at Portland State at the time, and 
and I had no 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 clue. Um, but me and another friend were we we were playing and uh, basketball, um, and uh, you know Jimmy was there. And I remember talking to the guys. I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. My parents, my parents kind of want me to check out Grant's Pass and everything like that. And and Jimmy looks at me like, you know, he thought it was kind of like joking or something. And he's like, you know, that's where I'm from, right? And I'm like, what, really? You know, I mean, here I am, clueless, you know. Right. He's like, my my dad's the athletic director there. You want me to you want me to give him a call and put in a word for you? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Sure, yeah, it'd be great, you know. And so. um I actually, I had actually applied for a job at Hidden Valley High School, and um, I, uh, I, I thought I walked out of the interview and I called my wife and I'm like, ah, yeah, we're moving. I, I knocked it out of the park, and I, 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 I didn't get it, you know. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you know. And so, and and part of it was I didn't coach football at the time, um, and I know that they were looking to hire uh, a football guy, and so. So ended up working out for the better anyways. Um, you know, we, uh, we decided, okay, we'll give this, um, this Grant's Pass thing maybe a try and, um, really noncommittal, uh, cause I'm still coaching at Franklin. Um, uh, we're like, okay, we'll put our house up for sale by owner. And, um, it sold in three days. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> we we should have asked for more, you know, and, and uh <laughs> anyway, so now it's like put up or shut up, you know, and um and so so giddy up, you know, uh moved down to Grants Pass, went in, walked into Tom Blanchard's office, which uh, you know, if you if you know Tom Blanchard in Southern Oregon, um he you know, he's he's so long been a staple in, in Grants Pass in the Southern Oregon area. Um and, and it's just a great man. Um, so, so moved down and, 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 uh, you know, he, uh, he walked me, it was middle of the school day and he walked me, um, into Bill Cowell's classroom who Bill Cowell's, you know, long time coach, Grant's Pass, two time state winner in Idaho for boys basketball. And, and, uh, you know, he walked me in and Tom, Tom, Tom's definitely got some power, you know, and he's like, mm-hmm. you know, Bill Cowell here, this is Scott Wakefield, uh, He's gonna he's gonna uh, help you out in your boys program. <laughs> I'm like, oh wow, <laughs> you know. And so so so, anyways, you know, I I was a volunteer freshman assistant coach my first year in Grants Pass, and you know, I I've just always been a worker. I've always been a doer. You know, um, I firmly believe that if you're a head coach or a you know freshman assistant. If you get to the gym first, you should grab the broom and sweep the floor. You know, I mean, that's, that's just kind of who I am at the core of who I am. And so, so, you know, I, I, uh, I spent, I spent one year volunteering and, uh, it was good enough to uh, the next year, uh, Mike Slagle, who's a longtime coach down here in Grants Pass, uh, retired. And, and, and that was my, that was my, uh, my way in, you know, and, uh, and, uh, got hired as a teacher at Grants Pass and, uh, you know, just worked, kind of worked my way up, came through the ranks, you know, coached freshmen, um, boys basketball for several years, and then, and then moved my way up to JV. Um, and then, uh, I was, uh, Bill Callad stepped away from coaching. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, I was, uh, coaching for a guy named Scott Gatula, 
um, who was a coach here for a while in Grants Pass. And then, uh, anyways, it, you know, ended up that um, uh, the girls' basketball coach at Grant Grants Pass, Robert Lingo, uh, stepped away from coaching. And um, Tom Blanchard, um, who helped me, you know, get hired and everything like that, he came to me and he's like, Scott, I really want you to think about coaching girls' basketball. And I'm like, oh, I don't <laughs> I, I've never, I've never coached the girls, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and so that was kind of our first introduction and to it. And then, you know, I was like, no, no, not for me, you know, and, um, and then, you know, he, he came a second time and, you know, sure enough, the, the fourth time, you know, and the, the thing, the thing that, that, uh, coach Blanchard had on me is that, um, I have three daughters and so, so I, you know, I'll never forget this. He, you know, we were sitting there. We're actually sitting at Tyler York's wedding uh, reception, and and he goes, you know, Scott, girls basketball chose you, <laughs> you know. And he's like, you got you got three daughters, you know. It chose you. And 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 you know, the more I thought about that and talked about that with my wife and and really pondered and, and prayed on it and everything like that, and, you know, I was like, you know what, you know, I'm a dad first, and you know, I. How cool would it be to build a program that eventually my kids could, play? um, and, uh, and so that, that's been really cool. So that's, that's kind of, I mean, I know that's the, not the quick version, but the long version, uh, of how I got to be the girls coach at Grand Pass High School and, and, and the why. And the crazy part, and I know you, you've coached girls before, and I know you're currently coaching boys, but girls are so coachable. And, you know, I've fallen in love with that aspect. I really feel like each game is a chess match. Um, you know, you move a screen or you move this or you slip or you have, you, you know, you, you've been coming coming over the top of a handoff all day and now you step high and, and back cut it. And, and all of a sudden, those results change the outcome of the game. Whereas, whereas you know, in, in boys basketball, I, I, there is some of that, but I don't think there is as much of that. So... It's been yeah, that was, that was my next. Yeah, that's awesome, coach. And that was actually gonna be my next question. Kind of that difference between you know you coached boys for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. How long have you been the girls' coach at Grand Staff? So, so this is year thirteen as the okay. as the head coach. Yeah. So, so, um, so you know, uh, quite some time. Yeah, I, I really do think. I really think that uh, in girls' basketball, it is it is an ultimate chess match. Um, you know, girls, girls, uh, you know, tend to be very literal. Um, I remember my first year coaching, as coaching, called timeout, and we had a girl named Annie Edgar who was just a baller. She she ended up getting the player of the year for our conference. Uh, and, uh, you know, I called the timeout, and I was going to set up this little rub, uh, rub play that Annie would come off the high post and she's super good at just getting downhill and playing downhill basketball. And so, uh, I'd have a guard, you know, dribble into the elbow and then reverse pivot and Annie would come right off of that. And it was just a handoff and it was, you know, basically a, a moving screen, but you could get away with it because you're, you're, you're pivoting. And, um, and so I, I tell this kid on my team, I say, hey, you're going you're gonna to dribble to the elbow and we're going to run that play right for Annie. And, you know, uh, next play, she gets a steal. And dribbling just <laughs> full, full speed down the court, 
you know, has a wide open lay in. I'm like, yeah. Jump stops at the elbow, reverse pivots. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know? And, and she's like, but coach, you told me. And I'm like, oh, you're right. I, did. I, told, I told you, I told you to do that. And I, I mean, and, and so, you know, I mean, and I know that, that not, not every female basketball player is that literal, but this young lady was. And I mean, I, and so, you know, right now, anytime I put something in, I, I I started by saying, hey, the play is to what? And, you know, all the girls in my program now know that the play is to score. So the, the, the actual play we're running, if, you know, if there's an opportunity to score, abort the play and score. And so, so, um, but, but for me, you know, it's, it's, it's required me to be more of a uh, technician with my, with my coaching and my teaching, you know, um, and, and not, not leave anything up for, you know, Hey, uh, what happened to, you know? And so, so, so it's really, you know, for me, it's really challenged me to, you know, um, you know, dot my I's and cross my T's and make sure that, that everything is, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and having several, you know, different things that, that spill off of certain plays and, 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 uh, we can use those things to get, get a scoring opportunity. So. Yeah, that's great. I, and I'm sure there are many coaches across the state that have very similar stories, <laughs> oh, whether it's male or female, right? Whether right. Oh, yeah. Boys or girls. Uh, yep, I'm yep. sure you probably had a little bit of that in your freshman coaching days as well, right? Sometimes they just, yeah, yep. they want to do like, it right. And, and they, uh, they make sure they do. <laughs> right. Right. Um, you've been at Grants Pass really since you sold your house in, in Portland, uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of started your family. Uh, a lot of times some of that stuff can make it hard to continue to be, to be a head coach just with all the, the things that head coaches have to do. What's kind right. of led to your longevity uh, in, in Grants Pass and as the girls coach at, at Grants Pass High School? Right. Uh, you're absolutely right. You know, um, my, you know, my wife knew this going into it. She knew, she knew she was marrying a coach, you know, and, and, um, and, and basketball is obviously my passion, but, you know, I spent nine years coaching football here. I was you know, our special teams coordinator and, and, um, and then I coached five years of baseball. So, so for a five year stretch, I was coaching three sports, which is, you know, I know you've been there, done that. Um, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot, especially with a young, young family, you know, and everything like that. And so, so I, I do have to praise the heck out of my wife, you know, um, that, that, that she's an amazing coach's wife and, and allows me to do a lot of those things. Um, you know, a, a few years back, my daughter got really sick and we almost lost her. And so at that time I was like, you know what, I, you know, I got to step away and, and, uh, and just coach basketball. And so, so, and that was a really good choice, choice for me and my family. Um, I don't regret any of those other, you know, years coaching other sports. Um, but, but I'm genuinely passionate about, about running, uh, my basketball program. And the reason why I share the, the word basketball program is I think that that's led to my longevity, um, in Grants Pass is that, you know, I'm not, I'm not just coaching a varsity team. I'm not just coaching you know, for the, for the time being, you know, my whole vision has been that I want to develop a program. And, and, you know, I think, I think that I've had several years that there's no way we should have made the playoffs, but we, we've continually been a playoff team because 
of the program, you know, and um, and so when you have the, and you know this, uh, having a few years in Southern Oregon yourself, is is you, we're not getting that big infusion of of talent via transfer or um, you know, I mean, essentially, I if I don't, you know, if I don't create it or 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 develop it um, from the youth, it's probably not walking through the door, and so. You know, um, that's been, I think, the biggest part of my, uh, you know, tenure at Grants Pass is that, you know, um, I continually coach youth teams, um, you know, you know, one or two youth teams uh, each AAU season because I want those kids to, you know, have hands-on interaction with, with the head coach of a program, you know. And um, and so I really do think that that's, that's that's pointed to uh the longevity of of my tenure at grant pass uh a little fun fact for you i you know um i'm uh i'm in the top five i want to say maybe maybe three four ish area um for longest tenured six a girls basketball coaches in the state so i mean someone told me that and i was like whoa really you know i mean like but really i mean you, you look at the shelf life of a six a coach and and you know i mean of course there's guys like glenn lee who have coached forever but just at one place i'm 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 in that top five of longest tenure so so and i take pride in that you know and and um like i said though it wouldn't be i don't think it'd be the case unless i created and uh ran a program because i think that that's what it takes to have longevity especially especially in this day and age when when you know you have you know, parents that are trying to be in your huddles and you have it, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to be a, a, a head coach. And I've often told my athletic director, I'm like, man, who's going to want to be a coach anymore, you know, with, with, uh, but, but I say that knowing that it's what I love and it's what, you know, um, I'm, I'm happy doing. So. Yeah, well, I think like you're saying, that's one of the reasons you you probably are one of the longest, you know, single school tenure is is all of those other things that that cause coaches to to not want to stay or to go somewhere oh, yeah. else or yeah. or whatever it is, and and that's awesome. You mentioned coaching some youth teams in in the spring and in summer. What else do you do to kind of build uh, your program that kind of helps you maintain as much as you can that success level year after year? Well, I think, I think, you know, first off, you know, visibility, you know, uh, parents and kids want to know that the, the head coach is, is, you know, seeing their kid or what, you know, I mean, if, if their kid's playing in a game, I pop in and I watch, you know, uh, we're fortunate to still have middle school basketball, uh, in, in Grants Pass. And so having those teams and, and, you know, I mean, even when they play their rivalry game, you know, uh, making up t-shirts with all their names on the back of it and, you know, saying, you know, hey, yeah, we were north versus south, but now we are one. We're, you know, so just that culture, you know, I think, I think is big. And then, you know, really, um, uh, you know, I really try to develop shooting, uh, at a, at a younger age. Um, and we're not always dynamite shooters, but, but, you know, I mean, it, I've always thought that if you can shoot, you can play, you know, I mean, even if you're, uh, you know, slow or this or that, man, if you could shoot, I, I don't know too many coaches that that won't play you, you know? And so, so, um, you know, I, I guess I shouldn't say if you could shoot, if you can make it, 
big difference between being being a shooter and a maker, you know. Um, and so, so really trying to develop good good form, good technique um, at the youth ages, and and some of that, you know, like even for our, our young young kids, you know, uh, I have hoops that attach to the hoop, so they're not like creating bad habits, um, you know. So hey, they're 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 using you know good shooting technique even from uh, you know, young ages, you know, and, and, um, you know, uh, stuff like, stuff like that and, and trying to continue to, to build and promote that success and just having kids be in the gym, you know, um, especially girls, you know, I, how many, how many times do you drive down a street? Well, I mean, this could be guys too in this era, but how many times do you drive down the street seeing a kid playing basketball in the, in the, in the street anymore, you know? And, and so, so creating that culture where, where kids get in the gym. And so, you know, um, part of the, part of the cool part for me is that, you know, right now I have a fifth, ninth and sophomore. Um, and so my kids, you know, a lot of this tenure has been my kids growing up in the youth program. And now, now I'm going to have two kids in high school. Um, and so, so a lot of it's been molded and built around, you know, me getting my daughters and their friends and, and that goes, you know, their peer groups in the gym. And I think, I think that that definitely, definitely builds success. Yeah. That's awesome. Are you, what are you nervous or excited about with coaching your daughters? I mean, I think that's kind of a hard thing that coaches <laughs> go through, but also exciting. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, sure. are you, are you sure. nervous? Are you excited? What, what, how are you feeling about that? You know, um, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of been, it's kind of been just a part of our, our, the core of our family for so long that, you know, um, and, 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 you know, there, there are things that go along with, uh, being a coach's kid, you know, I mean, like, like, you know, I mean, sometimes my kids, you know, get unfairly judged because of who their dad is or, or sometimes, you know, other, other kids don't like them because of who their dad is, you know? And I mean, they, you know, uh, they could do everything right and it just doesn't matter because of who their dad is, you know? And, and so, so having a, you know, my kids understand, you know, it's a coach's family and, and, uh, you know, but I've also had those conversations with them like, um, Hey, you know what? I mean, listen, you know, I'm, I'm a dad first girls, you know? And so I don't, I don't want this to, to be, you know, something that's, puts a strain on, on their and my relationship. Um, and so I've gone to, so last year was my first year having a kid in high school and, um, and, uh, you know, Bill Cal, who his, his three boys, um, at least, uh, all three of them started playing basketball and the one uh, joined wrestling, but, um, you know, fairly successful. And, uh, you know, Steve York down here coaching his own son, Tyler, as an assistant coach. So I've gotten a lot of advice from them. And, and some of the things that, uh, you know, I've tried to do is like, um, when we get, when we, when we get in the car after a game or even after practice driving home, uh, you know, I'll talk basketball, uh, you know, all day long. But, um, with my daughters, if if they don't bring it up, I don't go there. So, um, but if they want to talk basketball, I'll talk basketball with them just because there needs to be that separation. Like, you know, sometimes they just need a cheeseburger. They don't need to know about, you know, uh, 
missing a shot or this or that. You, you know, yeah. so so I've tried. I've really tried to do that. It doesn't. Sometimes it gets the better of me, <laughs> you know. But <laughs> but you know, um, I, I want to maintain uh, being their dad. And, and them knowing that I love them and, and support and care for them more than, uh, being their coach. But I also do, to, uh, do think that, that, um, you know, cause we've had these conversations before too. And, and, you know, I mean, this whole parenting thing, man, like if I had it figured out, you know, I'd be writing books and stuff, right? We're, we're all figuring it out as, as we're going. Um, so. So I, I just try to keep it in context, and, and a lot of times, you know, I'll go up to one of my assistant coaches if something's driving me nuts, and I'll be like, hey, could you could you go tell Brooklyn or Kennedy, those are my two daughters in high school right now, could you go tell them to get their elbow in because it's driving me nuts? And then, mm-hmm. and then you know, my assistant coaches will go do that. And, um, you know, so far, uh, knock on wood, it's been good. They've enjoyed being a part of the program and playing. And their dad still being the coach, and um, and so so that's been good. Yeah, that's awesome. You, you talked a little bit about kind of the opportunity to when you're at Franklin to come in and be the offensive coordinator of, of sorts. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of curious, how has your uh, style or how have things changed since when you were the the offensive coordinator? at Franklin mm-hmm. to where you're at now as a, a, a tenured head coach? Um, you know, I think, I think that, uh, you know, um, it used to be, and it is weird because like, you know, when I was there at Franklin, we ran a lot of BART stuff uh, that, that I, that I ran at Warner when playing for BART um, mm-hmm. Because, because it's what I knew and what I was familiar with and everything like that. And, and I guess, I guess one of the biggest changes I've had as a coach, um, from then till now is that, you know, um, there's an old thought that, Hey, this is the way we play basketball and this is, this is my system and I run it this way because this is how you play basketball, you know? And, um, man, you know, I don't, I don't do that at all anymore. You know, uh, I think it's easier for one person and me changing to 12 than it is for 12 to change to one. And so, you know, really, Coach, year in, year out, I mean, we do a lot of the, uh, a lot of the same things that work just because they're good basketball plays. But, man, you know, it, if, I got, if I got three big, I'm not going to run, you know, dribble drive. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna drink and triangle. I'm gonna pound. I'm gonna I'm gonna get the ball to them. You know, uh, that 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 gal I talked about, Annie Edgar. You know, she was very very skilled and very talented. Um, but but we we didn't have a ton of basketball players on the team. We had we had several athletes, but during that time when when Annie uh, Edgar played, uh, you know, it was like hey, 32 different ways to get her a touch. You know, and and so. So I really feel like that's that's how I've developed coaching wise is that you know it used to be hey we're gonna run this you know and um, and uh, you know and and sometimes that works you know uh, Scott Aker ran Blazer for years and you know I saw him coach uh, you know I, I know he's recently retired uh, but uh, and he's still running Blazer you know I mean and 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 that and that works that works for some people. Mm-hmm. It, it, it tends to it tends to work better when you're you know at Wilson and you have you know 
a six eight guy <laughs> <laughs> that can play, you know. And so, you know, in, in Grants Pass, there's a lot of things that that we got to do. We got to switch things up. We, you know, um, defensively, I change things up all the time, just so as soon as someone starts getting comfortable, switch it up on them, even if it even if it's just for one or two possessions, just to just to make them make them have a different look. And I think I think that that helps. Um, and you know bodes to some success in those areas but yeah a, a lot different you know um and a lot of that's just growing you know um i know I, i've sat with you at times but the other thing i love to do is like you know western oregon team camp sitting in the coach's room uh, at night you know when it's the middle of summer and everybody just shares you know i'm i i've been going to cascade team camp because my daughters are going so i go coach and i sit with you know coach meek and 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 guys and Bergman and guys like that 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 have won state titles and 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 I'm like hey I you know I'm always trying to learn and I'll I'll steal anything and um and use anything if it works um and so so that that's kind of been my evolution you know and, and some of it is getting better at 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 how you present things and coach things and and finding out like okay well I wasted a week on this and we didn't use it. So better use of my time, time management, you know, all those things. Yeah. That's good stuff. Thanks coach. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll return with more from coach Scott Wakefield right after this on the Oregon basketball coaches podcast. OBCA is excited to announce the first annual OBCA golf tournament October 10th at the OGA golf course in Woodburn, Oregon. Grab some friends, dust off your clubs, and join us for a great day of golf. To register, visit the website at tinyurl.com slash obcagolf. We look forward to seeing you on October 10th. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Derek Duman talking with Coach Scott Wakefield from the Lady Caver basketball team from Grants Pass. Um, Coach, I want to ask a little bit about uh, analytics. So analytics have kind of changed the game when you look at NBA and NCAA. um, And three-point ball has obviously changed the game a little bit too. I'm curious, how do you use analytics in your program to help develop talent and scheme, et cetera. Um, okay. One, one, uh, one prime example of this. And I mean, it, it carries into, uh, you know, uh, our even our defenses that we run and, and our slides and in my one, two, two zone, um, watching where people go with the ball and stuff like that. And so analytics, like, like you said, is a huge part, but like one thing, um, we charted, we charted one season, uh, the percentage of shots made on full speed in transition, short shots. So not layups, short shots. Okay. And it, it's like, it ended up being like less than 17% made. Right. And so, so as part of my program, one thing that we try to do both offensively and defensively is, if if I sprint back and I am I am a defender in transition, okay, I will absolutely do any and everything to take away their layup opportunity and force them into a short shot. Because if you think about it, and I mean think about your own practices, coach, how, how many times do you practice full speed 
short shot. Right. Fifteen footer. Yeah. People don't. Yeah, really. I mean, you practice. You you practice. You you practice fifteen footers, but but even mm-hmm. a lot of people have taken out the mid range shot. You practice threes and layups, and so. So I try to hone in on that, and defensively, defensively, it is we're going to give up shots, not lands, all day long. We're going to force them. We're going to try to bait them into a short shot just because it's a low-percentage shot, especially going full speed. Um, and then offensively, offensively, you know, in transition, we are, we, we are taking either a layup or a three. Because with a three, if you're going full speed because of the distance of it, you naturally slow your body down. You set your feet. You typically have more space because it's a transition shot. And so we believe that those are high percentage shots, more so than the mid-range shot in transition, uh, just because of charting it, charting it and seeing, seeing what it, what it brings to the table, you know, and, um, you know, and so, so that's an example of how, how I use it in my program. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to shoot threes in transition. And if we can't get a layup, then, then we're going to pull it back out. But, um, we're not going to take uh, a mid range shot in transition, um, ever, you know? And, uh, mm-hmm. and so, so that's one thing we do as well. And then, um, because of where, uh, so like in our, in my zone, um, the, we run a one, two, two typically. Um, and I mean, I run some other things, but that's, that's my, that's my wheelhouse. That's my go-to. Um, but because of the percentages of times where, uh, the ball goes to the wing, to the short corner, um, which we've also charted and tracked and, and, uh, where, where three point shots come against the zone. Um, so we set up in a one, two, two, but my one, I call the point Mm -hmm. is, um, and I know a lot of people run their zones differently, but I, I, I choose to make this more of a bigger kid or a longer kid, but this kid needs to be very athletic as well because, um, when the ball goes to the wing, their slide is from point to, uh, the block to take away the short mm-hmm. corner. And, and what it, what it does what it does is it really, it really, you know, cause, cause teams think, okay, one, two, two. So I'm going to go a two guard front and then I'm going to work the ball either to the corner or I'm going to work the ball from the wing to the short corner. And what, what happens is teams, teams will throw it to us a lot of times because that point, they're not expecting to fly to cover the block. And, and so right. a lot of times, a lot of times it's like pass is already being made. And she's, you know, almost, almost going football roots here a little bit, almost, you know, like that safety feel in the alley, just boom, come, where, where were they? Where'd they come from? You know? And so, so those are, those are two breakdowns that we do a lot based just on numbers and kind of, you know, defensively baiting that team into thinking that the, the short corner is available um, when it's not in that athletic longer kid coming flying in there and covering that is, it's something that we do along with, uh, uh, you know, short shots, uh, as far as analytics go. Yeah. You talk about, you know, kind of the, some of the different things you do defensively and, you know, you don't have to give everything away necessarily. No. But, uh, sure. can, you, can you kind of talk about, especially like your breakdown in practice, right? Cause, mm-hmm. uh, there's kind of two different philosophies. Uh, you know, there's the, we're going to change defenses a lot and, mm-hmm. you know, confuse the offense. 
And then there's some people, uh, you know, in our last podcast, uh, Coach Pollard talked about, like, they only run man, and they're really, really good at it because they spend right. so much time on it. So right. can you talk about maybe how you break that up in practice to be, you know, good enough to run a variety of different defenses? Right. Well, you know, um, you're only you're only as good as uh, things that you rep. And so, you know, um, we, you know, I'll never do anything that we don't practice. And I know that, you know, um, but the reason I bring that up is because, you know, you have to be well-versed in what you're asking kids to do, you know, and you can't have expectations that you don't teach to. And so, so all of our breakdowns, all of our slides, we're going to rep over and over um, just, just so those kids have that familiarity to it. And then I don't believe in putting kids in positions where they can't be successful. And, and if the kid doesn't like that or the parent doesn't like that, well, then, then be more successful at the, the spot that you want to be in, you know. And, and, and to, to me, like positioning, positioning has nothing to do with offense, right? Mm-hmm. Positioning has everything to do with who you can guard. You know, um, I just had a kid graduate last year, Camden Bruner, just absolute phenomenal stud athletically, you know. Going to uh, going to SOU for track, and she she could have played collegiate basketball, but she's she's not a super tall kid. She's probably five, you know. I probably lifted her at five eight, which she was probably meant, you know, she was like five six, five seven. But you know, she's a freak, you know, athletically, mm-hmm. and and she guarded she guarded the post because she could, and you know, she'd yeah. front a post, she'd front a post, which we're always going to front a post, and. Uh, people would think, oh, this this girl, you know, I'll just throw it over the top of her. She she would out jump them. And um, but again, you know, going back to that practicing, you know, I'm only going to have kids practice what they can be successful at. And I think that that's a huge key um, in whatever you're doing defensively. And there's been years where we have been just a great man team, and then there's been others where it's like we can't man anybody. We got to do some smoke and mirrors, and we got to we got to practice. We got to rep this. We got to, you know, we got to have our box in one end. We got to have our triangle in two in. And just because it throws people off. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, not that guys are comfortable with it, but girls absolutely hate someone face guarding them. They hate it. Mm-hmm. They hate it. And, and, and not, not that being the reason that I do it, but sometimes when Ula Chamberlain's on the other team, um, which seemed like she played for South Medford for like 12 years, um, you know, you, you got, you got to be creative if you want to be in a game. And so, so, so breaking things down, uh, you know, going back to the core of who we are, um, because I'm not going to have that six, one girl, six, two girl every year, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, shift that defense to what's best for our team. But the one thing that has been kind of our staple has been, been our one, two, two zone. And, and so, breaking down those slides and making sure that those girls are so comfortable at doing it. And then, you know, I mean, even to the point where, Hey, this girl plays right side only because she's a three and she runs the left side of the court. So she's going to be on the right side defensively because that's going to turn in offensively into the left side of the court. And so she's going to play that low spot, that low spot where her slides are going to be, uh, you know, covering, covering the, the free throw uh, lane line and then working your way to the corner um, when when the ball goes out to the corner. And, and that kid's just – she's going to rep the heck out of that, you know. And 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 the, the thing I like about that, Coach, is that 
the the girls really become comfortable with it. And yes, obviously you're going to have some Swiss Army knives that play multiple spots, but it allows them to get really good at it um, rather than having to go, oh my goodness, oh, I'm on the point now. What do I do? You know, I'm not going to put a kid there that that hasn't repped it. You know, and so so that's that's mainly our breakdowns. That's you know, and and um, you know, I think that the good, the, the base of every good defense is man principles. So even if we're not a huge man team on a given year, we still are doing all of the man breakdowns. We're doing slides, you know, we're doing stance, we're doing all those things, you know, like I think one of the best drills that you could do is turn them where I, you know, you versus me and I got to turn you as many times. And, you know, it doesn't have to be something, you know, super, uh, unique as far as a drill goes because something like Turnham can make a kid so much better at the game of basketball and it's such a simple drill but so effective in teaching them defense. Yeah, how do you because <clears throat> I, I like what you're talking about and, and one of the things I think it's hard for us sometimes as coaches is like when do you introduce some of these things, right? Because every year you talk about mm-hmm. the new varsity team, and you know it's coming because you've got your program. So, like, right. when do you introduce the one-two-two to your kids? Is it in eighth grade? Is it freshman year? Yeah. Like, how do you kind of mm-hmm. set that up so that they're ready by the time they're a varsity basketball player? So, so concepts can, you know, I mean, if you have a common language, and, and again, I'll, I'll go back to, uh, I would encourage so many coaches to develop programs, not teams, um, because for example, my, you know, uh, I got a gonna be freshman uh, daughter coming through, and her and her teammate, they they already know uh, how to run our twelve, you know, because they've been running it, they've been running it, and and so so if you do have, and and again, I know I said earlier, I'm going to cater my team's needs towards what we have, and that's very true, but defensive concepts are are the one thing that you know. Um, uh, it's not going to matter if you have a ton of height. I mean, it helps or, you know, but, but part of the reason why we've gone to running 12 is because, uh, you know, year in, year out, I, I don't have a ton of height, you know? I mean, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll have five, eight girls having to cover the post. And, and so, so concept wise, you know, those things being introduced, super big, you know, and sometimes, sometimes it's tough when they're younger, you know, I, you know, there's been times where I, I get real bold and I'm trying to teach a group of fourth or fifth graders something. I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> too, too soon. And so I got to, you know, but, but I also think, I also think, man, why not give them a, give them a shot at it, give them a crack at it. You know I mean? Like maybe they can understand it. And then there's, and there's groups that are more cerebral than others. Um, but yeah, so like, like our freshmen, they're going to run a certain base package um, that points to them being varsity players. Um, and then there's also going to be unique things that that coach at that level um, is going to run that uh, cater to the, the group that he or she has, you know. Um, and, and so, but conceptually, it's like, hey, you guys, you got to get these, these three things in. These three concepts need to be in defensively, and these three concepts need to be in offensively. Um, because it's going to point towards their future. Yeah. I'm going to switch sides of the ball on you here. Let's talk a little okay. bit about, about shooting. Uh, I, I know mm-hmm. you're, you're a self, self-proclaimed self shooter. <laughs> um, and, uh, I'm, I'm a maker. 
Coach, I'm, I'm a maker. maker. Yeah, excuse me. Excuse me. You're a maker. Um, but I want to talk about – you talked about building that form, especially at the youth level, which I think is huge. Uh, what right. are some maybe specific drills that you, you do with that youth? And then even when they get yeah. to the varsity level, how do you emphasize that shooting and what do you do to, to do that? Well, you know, I mean, especially because strength is an issue um, early on in the game of, in the game of basketball. Um, and so, so conceptually, um, I really love putting them in a chair. Um, and you know, cause, cause, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that are like stride shooters. Like I stepped towards the rim, um, to give me power because when I was younger, I didn't have enough power. So I had to do that or I had to wheel my arms in order to chuck it up there. Um, and so really, uh, forcing them. So we'll get a chair out and you, you have, you have your players set their feet. Normal shooting feet, okay, shoulder width apart, and then I have them sit on the edge, the front edge of the chair, okay, and and then you work on your shooting form as far as you know that shooting pocket, uh, you know, always going to create a straight line from your palm to your elbow to your hip to your knee to your toe, and uh, you know, I mean, if if that's all straight, then the ball's going to go straight. The more moving parts you have the more you have to offset it by other moving parts. And so really like just preaching that, that line from, from toe to knee to knee to elbow to elbow to wrist. And, um, and then conceptually teaching shooting like a spring, what goes down has to go up. And so many people shoot going forward. And that's not a, that's not, if you look at every good shooter in the NBA, college basketball, um, they, they all go down and then they come up and then, and then the one thing that makes the ball go forward is that snap of the wrist. And so putting on, putting on the edge of a chair, uh, it forces everything to come from the ground up and, 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 you know, trying to have it a single motion from ground up. And so when they sit on the edge of the chair and you get that ball straight in the shooting pocket, and then I have them sit up out of the chair and then slowly just go up and do a form shot, you know, and, and then conceptually, even if we're like shooting a short shot, I tell, I tell all my athletes to leave the ground while we form shoot, just because everything should be practicing a three point shot. And so I don't want us to ever do anything that is not practicing a three point shot. Because why, why do form shooting? I mean, most, I, I don't know. I mean, I would say if you walk into just about every, every high school in the state of Oregon, uh, the first five minutes after, you know, we do some, some calisthenics getting loose and everything like that, a coach is going to do form shooting. And so you're, you're taking five minutes out of your practice plan to practice a, sh- a set shot that nobody ever uses. Mm-hmm. And so form shooting, when we, when we do swishes, um, every day, they, they have to practice like they're shooting from the three point line. Okay, now obviously I'm not going to crank the ball up there, you know, three feet away. But I want, I want, I want us to leave the ground. I want everything to be simulation of a three-point shot. Um, because, I mean, other than shooting a free throw, do we ever shoot flat-footed? And a lot of people, even when they shoot free throws, I mean, at least they're getting up on their tiptoes when they shoot. Um, so, so those are the things that we do shooting-wise. Um, you know, and just repetition, repetition, repetition. Um, and you know, I mean, 
uh, I believe in, in the shooting straps and stuff like that, just because especially in girls basketball, uh, you have so many girls that will thumb the, their shot. And so really getting, getting that left hand or their off hand out of the shot. Um, so it has as few moving parts as possible. Um, you know, and then, you know, it's just like anything. If you want to be good at something, you have to, you have to do it. You know, um, a couple of years ago, uh, I had a girl named Audra Klingler and she was phenomenal, but I'd also go, yeah. And she's also a kid that comes and gets my keys and goes to the gym on her own all the time. You know, I mean, good shooters are good shooters because they practice it, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, it's like, wow, that kid's amazing. Yeah. Well, she works really hard at it. And so, so, um, you know, but working, working hard at it and doing it correctly are two different things. You know, um, I've had kids where they work really hard, but they're working really hard at the wrong thing. And, you know, they just, <laughs> they can't hit the, you know, broadside of a barn. So anyways. Yeah. How much time do you spend in practice shooting? I mean, what does that look like? You set aside 10 minutes, obviously it's form shooting. I mean, do you, right. how does, what does that look like in practice? Well, well, it, it, it probably can't be daily, uh, mm-hmm. just because of the amount of time you have. Um, but I'm a firm believer in thirds. So a third of your practice needs to be dedicated to offense. Third of your practice needs to be dedicated to defense. And a third of your practice needs to be dedicated to fundamentals. And so, so now, now every practice doesn't look that way. Um, mm-hmm. But, but, but that's the goal when I sit down and write my practice plan each day. Um, and so, so shooting wise, I'm going to mix in a shooting circuit, uh, once or twice a week. Um, as the season gets longer in, in, uh, the tooth, like later on in the year, we find ourselves shooting more and more in those practices as we prepare for playoffs. Um, just because, just because, you know, hey, it's, okay, we, we've already repped this stuff, you know, um, as a as a coach, um, am I putting in new concepts? Probably not at that point in time. I mean, we might be 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 doing a wrinkle here and there, but a lot at that point in time in the year, a lot of times, you know, we're going through our our scouting reports for our next game, um, executing, uh, you know, how we're going to stop certain offenses or certain players. Um, and so during those practices, I find us, uh, shooting even more. Um, so early on, you know, it, it's, it's part of our practice plan, but you know, especially with, you know, starting mid November and playing, you know, December, uh, one or two or whatever. Now, um, early on, we still try to shoot, but, but those, those things definitely get longer as, as the year goes, um, and, and, you know, free throws and all that, you know, we're doing on a daily basis. Yeah. Have you used the – or I guess I should say, how have you used the, the 5A, 6A practice rule, the, you know, mm. six hours a week? Have you used right. that at all? Do you use that for fundamentals? What does that look I like? Do. You I do. Well, you know, it, it probably looks a little different for us in Grants Pass than it would for, a, you know, a, port, a Portland school um, just because – you know, in Grants Pass, and I know you know this from, from spending a few years in Southern Oregon and even there in Eugene, a lot of our athletes, you know, play multiple sports. Um, and, and so, so, you know, as far as, as far as a, a volleyball kid, you know, um, or even our volleyball coach wanting, uh, the kids to spend another, 
six hours practicing um, is not always, you know, uh, conducive to our area. And so what I've gone to um, is that uh, three days a week, we'll go 45 minutes in the morning. And I focus on fundamentals and shooting. Um, and, you know, going back to your shooting question, I mean, we get up so many shots after the, the, uh, when the open period starts. Um, and, you know, guns set up and, you know, kids are getting shots up. And, and so, especially, especially during the fall season, um, you know, girls are getting shots. And, 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 you know, um, soccer, soccer and volleyball coaches aren't going to complain much when you're not doing contact drills and nobody's going to get hurt um in in a basketball practice uh and so when i go to them and i say hey listen coach here's what we're doing you know i'm having them get here at at 6:20 they're out at 705 that gives them you know 30 minutes 40 minutes to get ready for school and uh and then and then we start class at 750 you know or or whatever uh you know those coaches are going to be okay with that because you know i'm not i'm not doing you know, one-on-one drills. I'm not doing things where a kid could roll an ankle or anything like that. So, um, I've, I, I've used it to my advantage. I like going in the morning because then a kid doesn't have to come back after a practice. And, uh, for my kids, my kids that play multiple sports, it allows them to have the whole school day to kind of, you know, um, it's not like, Hey, I'm walking out of volleyball practice right into a, a basketball gym. And now, I'm trying to go, you know, for four hours straight, you know, um, cause I don't, I don't believe, I don't believe that that's good for anybody. And I don't want, I don't want other coaches doing that during my season. You know, I mean, good grief in basketball. We run a run enough. I don't need a club volleyball coach <laughs> running the heck out of one of my kids, you know, right. and then them getting a, getting an injury because of, you know, wear down. So, so that's, that's what we typically do. It's heavy, heavy fundamentals. Um, heavy, heavy shooting. Um, but I've liked it a lot too. I've liked it a lot more than the rule of two, just because the rule of two, I mean, good grief. I could wake up every morning and work with two kids and you, you know, the only person you're burning out is the coach. But if I can have, yeah. you know, if I can have 25 of my kids in or 30 of my kids in and go three days a week for 45 minutes, well, that's, that's effective use of time you know, for everybody. And so, so I've, I've really liked, I've really liked the rule. I've really liked it. Yeah. So, and I feel like it benefits uh, our kids. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, I, it was, it was funny. We were, um, we were 6A at, at West Albany and then we dropped to 5A after the reclassification. And so I got right. the first year of the rule and then I had to go back to the rule of two. Oh. Uh, oh, talk about, <laughs> oh man, you talk about realizing like what a pain that was. I was yeah. Like, oh, oh, so brutal. I'm I'm glad it's 5A, 6A. I think it's something that is definitely improving. Like you're saying, just those off-season coaches can be more effective. Uh, kids can still work on their game without you know risking injury well, and, for other sports. And and the 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 part I like about it is that my kids are coming to my workouts rather than going and, and going to a club coach or, and there's nothing wrong with club coaches. There's nothing wrong with any of that stuff, but it's allowed my kids to be more in my system rather than going and doing a workout with another coach or, a, you know, a specialized coach or this or that, because now I can bring it in house. And so I really like that aspect of it as well. Absolutely. 
Uh, last question before we take another break, Coach, is it kind of the you know the pandemic that we're living through right now. Right. How have you tried to uh, coach your kids, uh, no summer basketball, and, and what kind of ideas do you have for this upcoming shortened season uh, that's mm-hmm. going to look way different than anything we've seen before? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. It's been rough. And then, and then on top of it, you know, I'm uh, I'm seeing the head coach side of it, but I'm also you know I got two kids in the program um, that are Jones in for basketball and wanting to play, and you know uh, we've been doing workouts, but you know every kid has to have their own ball, no no rebounding for each other, and and I mean you know just changing ch- changing so many things that like hey if you and I are shooting and a ball rolls to me. It's just common basketball courtesy for me to grab it and throw it to you. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're like, no, right. you can't do that, you know. And, and so, so you know, I mean, uh, you know, I'm not gonna lie. There's been times that I've been very discouraged because, you know, uh, southern Southern Oregon, you know, it, it's not uncommon for us to have a 102 degree weather, you know. And now, now kids are coming into a hot gym and we're we're saying, hey, you gotta wear a face mask. Like, I mean, you know, kids are gonna be passing out all over the place, you know. And so. So, you know, obviously, um, I want to safely, uh, coach kids. Um, but, but I also, you know, uh, I, I also think that, that, you know, at some point in time, we need to get back to basketball. And obviously, a lot of things, uh, those, those things are out of our control. Um, but, uh, but moving forward, you know, I mean, if we, if we can get to where we have a hybrid system and kids are in buildings, and I know a lot of districts are, are not going to allow um, sports or activities if we're not having kids in building, which I mean, that's, they, they, I think they have to do that, you know, I mean, um, mm-hmm. so, so hopefully we can get to that point, you know, um, and, uh, there's a side of me, you know, I not, not, not getting all crazy on you or anything here, but there's a side of me that thinks that this thing coming up in November has a little to do with some of this stuff. Obviously, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's, the COVID is real and people are, have gotten sick and everything like that, but, but, um, you know, what we will be in, able to do this season, uh, hopefully, hopefully we, we can play. And, uh, yeah. you know, I think that if we're, if we're constantly being conscientious of it, and I think, you know, I think one of the biggest things for me is that, um, just having awareness, you know, I mean, I don't know, uh, you're a teacher. Do you have a box of Kleenex for your students on your desk? Right, I know yeah. I do. I, I, yeah. I mean, that's just where the box of clean, Kleenex go. You know what's not right. going to be next to my desk? <laughs> we have students. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No There's kidding. no yeah. way uh, that I'm going to have a box of Kleenex next to, to where I teach. And, and, and some of that's just, you know, like I said, being aware. And the reason I bring that up is that now that we have this awareness, I think that, you know, you put coaches in positions to, to do what's best for kids. And so, so allow us and give us that opportunity to, to safely coach kids. Um, you know, the other thing I think about is, you know, I, I firmly believe as teachers and coaches that we're essential workers, man. And mm-hmm. our, our communities and our kids need school and they need, they need basketball. You know, I mean, they, they do, you know, I mean, uh, being a health teacher, I mean, just the mental health side of the thing, you know, and then also having three daughters, you know, I mean, we, we need to, and, and yes, we need to be safe about it. And, and, um, and so, uh, with that being said, I'm, I'm optimistic that we'll have a season. 
Um, who knows what it'll look like if we'll have, you know, area um, champions rather than, you know, 6A, 5A. You know, I mean, uh, you know, uh, does does Grants Pass, you know, go back to playing Eagle Point, Nashland, and Crater, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I would think that, that that would be smart to cut down on traveling and exposure to other areas. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I certainly hope we do, Coach. Um, I know, I know, uh, the kids up there for you are Jones in the play. I know that they're Jones in the play down here and us coaches are Jones in the coach, you know, I mean, it's what we do. So, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all are. It's, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a fun challenge for coaches across the state because, you know, we want to do it so bad and we're going to have some restrictions. So we're going to have to be mm-hmm. creative and, and, and yep. uh, like you said, serve our kids uh, like we know how. So uh, it'll be a interesting challenge, but hopefully one that just makes us better. So, But I think most coaches are up for the challenge because that's who we are, you know, and, and, yeah. and it's just another evolution to, to what we do. You know, and I guess if you're yep. if you're done evolving as a coach, you probably should get out of it. Right. True. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take another break. Uh, when we return, Coach Wakefield will try to beat the shot clock here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Want more from the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast? You can listen to all our episodes at our website, anchor.fm slash OBCA, or subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay up to date with the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association on social media at facebook.com slash OregonBCA, or on Twitter at OR Hoop Coaches. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. We're talking with Scott Wakefield, girls basketball coach at Grants Pass High School. Uh, coach, for my next set of questions, I'm going to put you up against a 35-second shot clock. We're going to go rapid-fire questions and answers. Uh, your answers should hopefully only be one- to two-word answers. Uh, and we can follow up with anything you want to talk about after the shot clock expires. Sound good? Sounds good. All righty. Starting now, do you think Oregon high school basketball should have a shot clock? 100% yes. Do you think it should be implemented at the sub-varsity level? Yes. If you're up with three, if you're up three with less than 10 seconds, do you foul? Yes. What's your favorite way to guard on balls? Ooh, uh, dang. Ball pressure, ball pressure. First, first line of post defense is ball pressure. What's your favorite pregame meal? Ooh, spaghetti. What's one word officials would use to describe you? <laughs> uh, do I have to answer? Uh, uh, let's see, uh, Passionate. <laughs> Passionate. Good. That's a good answer. Good answer, Coach. You, you've Not been bad. on the other side of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's good. I think the most common answer is intense, passionate. Um, uh-huh. The, that, that's kind of the, the general theme. Um, I got asked that question in an interview once. 
Really? True story. That's yeah. A, that's, a, that's a great interview question, actually. It is. I right? mean, and they, yeah. It, it was, what's one word parents would use to describe you? What's one word oh. players would use to describe you? And what's one, one word, word that officials would use to describe you? Yeah. Wow. That's so, intense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes you, it makes yeah. you think a little bit, doesn't it? Well, I, you know, I bet that was that, that, I bet that. I bet that was that West Lynn interview. No. <laughs> it wasn't actually. That wasn't oh. Actually. oh, that's crazy. Yeah, this is good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Coach, you mentioned you're uh, in favor of the shot clock. Uh, can you elaborate on, on that answer? Well, you know, um, it, it, we, we should all be promoting our product, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I want the best athletes at Grand Staff High School to play basketball right and um you know i don't know like like my daughters just went through middle school basketball and you know there's no pressing at the middle school level what but but all the way through aau which is our youth program we call it aau um the kids press they press the whole time and so then they go to the school ball and there's no press like and so you know here's my daughters they go from you know playing as sixth graders in these games where they're scoring 50, 60 points a game and, and everybody's having fun and, and it's an up-tempo game. And then they go to middle school basketball and, and I'll be like, Hey, well, how'd the game go tonight? Well, it was 13, 14. Uh, the other team sat in the zone and we don't have anybody that can shoot the ball. So, you know, um, and so my, my point in bringing that up is that uh, if you've got a shot clock, you know, it's going to be up-tempo. It's going to be, you know, uh, uh, a more high-paced game, you know, and, and and obviously I'm not promoting a kid be looking in the box score. I don't believe in that and everything like that. But think about it, coach. Like, if if we play a game and we score 70 points, and 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 yeah, maybe you lost, but then like you got four kids, five kids that scored 15. You know, I mean, your morale's up. Your kids are building. Yeah, hey, well, you know, yeah, we lost. Not that I'm ever okay with losing, okay? right. but at, at least at least I'm getting some confidence. Like, hey, you know, man, I, I I scored 15 tonight, or I had 20 tonight. Okay, you know, and so shot clock, you know, just and and coach. The other side of it is, you know, um, I had a real good class of athletes graduate here uh, two years ago, and when they were sophomores, we went up and played an amazing West Wind team, and and we stalled the ball. You know, we stumbled mm-hmm. them because that was that was how we had to compete in that game. Okay, but do I want to play that way every game? The kids every game? No, they don't. And so, so I think a shot clock uh, promotes a better product for the state of Oregon. And you know, we not that everybody is going to be a college athlete, but you should try to emulate what kids are striving to play at. And colleges have a shot clock. You know, I mean, so, so anyways, I'm, 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 I'm a big believer that we should have a shot clock. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how do you choose team captains? What is that process? Oh, okay. You, you know, um, man, I'll tell you what, and this is not meant to be a slight to the girls that have played for me. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, in my 12 years, I've probably only had three or four true captains, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so 
I've uh, I've gone more to the approach that my seniors are going to be my captains before games. Um, mm-hmm. But a true captain, it's you don't even need to ask. Your right. the teammates know that kid, you know, um, and so so uh, you know a lot of times uh, kids and parents will get offended because of. Well, I'm not a captain, you know, and so I I leave that role for my seniors, and mm-hmm. um, and you know, I mean, out outside of uh, doing the pregame talk with officials, um, uh, captains, yeah, there, there's a difference between captains and leaders. Mm-hmm. Is that does that make sense? Yeah. So hundred percent. All, all all my seniors are my captains and they go out for pregame because, you know, it is an honor. It's like, Hey, if you, if you're still playing and, and, and a productive part of this team as a senior, well then that's an honor that you should go and, and take pride in and be a part of, uh, in pregame. But leaders are leaders. And I think that they're two different things. Just because you're a captain doesn't mean you're a leader. It means you go out for pregame, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of my take on it. And I'm not trying to slight the captain position. But uh, right. but I, I I also think that sometimes there you can do more harm by not having a captain mm-hmm. than help you know and right. so so that's that's how I've chosen to do that and you know um, that might that might be um, <laughs> I don't know passing the buck but that's what I do because I, I you know I feel like a happy kid's a better player and so let's right. let's have them all be happy you know yeah. so. But there's a big difference in lead, in leaders and captains, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Do you do anything to to help develop leadership skills in kids? Is there something that you do that maybe helps with that in particular that you wouldn't mind sharing? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I think that that uh, again again I think it's super important that we put kids in places where they're going to be successful, and and so. So if I ask something of a kid that that I know they're probably not capable of doing, well then why would I ask them to do that? You know because mm-hmm. I, you know I, I've always thought this. You know like there's a difference between being confident and cocky. You know mm-hmm. cocky you're just kind of you're kind of a jerk. But I kind of want uh, my kids to think that they're better than they are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because then <laughs> then by chance, I mean like you know. It, the ball, the ball just goes in more when when you think you're a little better than you probably are, you know. And so, so, so instilling some of those things, and and then also giving them opportunity to lead. Whether it's you know, hey, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna lead uh, the warmups today, you know. And then uh, one thing that that really I think helps my kids is that I force, especially my older kids, to teach shooting to the younger kids, mm. and you know, um, all of a sudden they're like, well, how do I do that? You know? And, and now they're having to think about, you, you know what I mean? Cause I mean, in order to teach something, you have to know something, you know I mean? Right. And so, 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 so then it's putting the onus on them. And then I also uh, like the fact that one of our older kids is connecting with one of our younger kids. Um, even if it's just for form shooting, you know, and, and again, you know, going back to that program, you know, like, like I want my freshmen to feel like they're part of the program, not just the freshman team. And so, right. 
So having, having them come down for parts of varsity practice, um, and, and connect with those older kids, you know, is a huge part of it. And I think it, it, you know, uh, helps kids in their journey for leadership. Um, because it gives them an opportunity to lead and, you know, without an opportunity to lead, you can't, you can't really find out if you are a leader, you know? And so, so, uh, you know, sprinkling in opportunities where, where we'll do warmups as a full program or, Hey, the freshmen are with us to start practice today. We're going to do, uh, warmups. We're going to do, uh, swishes and then we're going to play organ drill against the freshmen where I b- break up, you know, uh, the teams evenly. You know, um, and, and, and it's 10 minutes of practice, but now that freshman group feels connected and my older group got to lead the younger kids, you know? And so, so those are some things that I do. Yeah. That's good stuff. How do you, you kind of talk about, you know, program a lot. How do you, how do you build like team chemistry, right? With, mm-hmm. and maybe it helps because they grow, they come up, they grow up together. They play with those girls for a long time, but. You know, it's still sometimes difficult um, to build that chemistry. Is there anything you do in particular that you think is really effective? Well, you know, um, it's weird because I've had I've had I've had both types of teams. I've had teams where the starting five was kind of spoken for because that kid, you know, started varsity as a freshman and they're a really good player. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then this past year, this past year, you know, I I sat. I sat five kids down and I said, Hey, I don't, I got, I got two spots in this rotation. Um, and all five of you are in the running and you guys are going to go out and go out and, 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 and make a decision, uh, for me, you know, uh, by how you play. And, um, it's funny because there's times where I feel like that spawned more team chemistry than mm-hmm. having the real elite players that it was already decided for, you know? Um, and, you know, we had really competitive practices and this and that. And so, so there's times where you have chemistry because your players are really good. And so people go, Oh, well, they're, you know, they have great chemistry, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but you know, when you're really good, the game of basketball looks good, you know? I mean, uh, <laughs> and then there's right. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. so, 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 um, so a lot of times I've had teams like that where I would even point point to that our actual chemistry wasn't that great, but we were just they were just really good players, and so it didn't look like we didn't have chemistry and we played really well together. But but as far as like that that bond and that tightness and stuff like that, there's been other teams where you know we we maybe don't look as good as that team, but we've had better chemistry because of that competition. You know, um, uh, just even having my own daughters, uh, with, with gals, it seems like, uh, the word fair really needs to be a, a bit, you're right. Like, like they want, to, it has to be fair, you know, and so, mm-hmm. so create, creating a culture that, that promotes fairness, creating a culture that promotes, uh, kids having the same opportunities and equity, you know, and, and then, you know, there's times where it's not popular and I'm not the popular guy because of it. But when a kid, uh, walks through the door and earns those things that they're rewarded, um, and, and, and as a coach being willing to make those tough decisions, I think it goes a long way with the, the kid's belief in your culture and your program and that chemistry of your program. Now, 
you know, we know that not every player is going to like every other player and that's just a part of it. But, but I really try to uh, break down those barriers. And a lot of times I'll, I'll be the bad guy. Um, so that a player doesn't have to be, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just say, I got broad shoulders. I'll take it, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, but then, you know, I believe in having fun with the kids and, and joking around and, um, you know, kids know when I'm, uh, serious and intense, but, but, uh, I also can laugh at myself. And I think, I think a lot of your chemistry and culture comes from the top down. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I pride myself on that. Yeah. Do you, do you have any swing players? Do you have kids that play mostly on JV but practice with you at the varsity level? So, yeah, there's times where I have, I have, uh, I have, uh, swing kids and uh you know the 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 tough part for those swing kids is like you said you alluded to um that they'll they'll practice with me the whole time and uh and then and then they're going to go and play with kids that they rarely get to to practice with or play with and and um you know and then i I really do think the swing kid is the is probably the worst spot to be in um Mm -hmm. in the game of basketball because you know, then, hey, well, I'm a varsity kid. I should be dominating this JV game, but I never play with these kids. And so, really, it is tough, but it is kind of one of those necessary evils, you know. Um, I try to work in, uh, you know, 20, 30 minutes where any swing kid uh, can go up with the JV team day before a game, just mm-hmm. that way that if they want to, you know, run through things uh, – together um they have that capability and so a lot of times um i'll do a pre-game shooting session with with my varsity kids and then during that time those swing kids will sneak up for you know i mean even if i can buy them 15 20 minutes i'll do that yeah yeah i agree it's a it's a tough tough role to be in and it's uh hard i've had a hard time you know you, obviously, you talk to those kids and try to explain it mm-hmm. to them, but like you're saying, it's I mean, it's so hard. You feel like you're on two different teams, and really, you just see the potential of that kid. That's why you have them practicing with you. But right, it, right, it doesn't feel that way to them because they're not getting the reward of, of well, and, and then, time, you know, yeah. But then going back to that, you know, I rather have my kids have more confidence than maybe they should. You know, mm-hmm. one thing, one thing that I really try to do with those kids is. You know, I'm like, hey, listen, you, you got free license. You, you're you're down on you're down on JV to go to go fill it up. You know, and right. and so so uh, I very much promote that. And so you know, sometimes sometimes that doesn't always uh, make their JV teammates happy. But it's it's the nature of the it's the nature of the beast. They're a varsity kid. You know, they go down and they're they're playing two quarters and and yeah, they should shoot the ball. You know, and so. So philosophically, that's that's how I promote it and push it with those kids because because I do believe that they're they're really in a sucky spot. You know, it's not mm-hmm. it's not easy to be a swing kid. You know. Yeah. Um. And you know, sometimes I've had, and I'm sure you have as well. I've had kids confidence wise go backwards because right. they're they're a swing kid. You know, and I'm like, what? You're, you're a sophomore and you're practicing with varsity every day and you're doing awesome. But yet you, you know, and so finding ways that they, you know, continue to grow their confidence, even though it's not the easiest position to be in. 
for sure. Yeah. Well, Coach, uh, that's all I got for you today. Thanks for joining nice. us. Hey, well, I appreciate it, and I appreciate you taking the time. It's an awesome podcast, and um, I, I counted the privilege that I was asked. Yeah, we thank you so much. A lot of good stuff, but I'm sure coaches will hopefully follow up with you if they get a chance. Uh, if you do have questions or want to get a hold of Coach Wakefield, you can find his contact information in the episode description. We hope you'll join us next time here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Until then, coach him up. Thank you for listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Is there a coach you'd like to hear from or a topic you'd like to hear us discuss? You can write us a message on the Anchor website or send us an email at OregonBasketballCoaches at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify.